Welcome to the broadcast. Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row. Gonna make this start grow. Come on around back, Arizona. It's Saturday morning, the 8 o'clock, the outdoor living hour here at Rosie on the House. And if you're following along in our annual homeowner handbook, you know today, May 20th, we're talking mulching. And we have Jay Harper, the Farm's Choice in. But we have a lot more to talk about today. I won't get sidetracked with it, but I mean, when was the last time you can remember three nights of rain in May? And so, good nights of So I heard, rain. and this could be way off, but it doesn't matter if it's off that much or not. <laughs> as of couple of as of before yesterday, Safford, Arizona, had received an, over an inch of rain in May. It's I think more than the last hundred years combined. And wow. for the month of for May, the, in the month of May, I know Christopher Creek got an inch and a half. I think the day before yesterday, it it just doesn't happen. We don't get rain in May. And and three nights in a row, right? It's like that looks like monsoon, but it's May. (laughs) That's that's the problem with how we track the monsoon anymore. It's now a calendar date, as opposed to, you know, actual environmental condition dew point. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if we'd have reached it here anyway, but I I didn't look at what the dew points were. I turned my lawn sprinkler off last night just to make sure it didn't go off today, so I could mow it at some point this weekend. Hopefully it dries out. Did you get that much that your grass is that wet? Oh my gosh, we had standing water all over the property. Oh wow, really? Yeah, we we, haven't gotten. We got a nice little shower the other night, but it wasn't enough to do that. I don't know. I don't know if it got you up. It didn't get me up, but someone in my house got up. And said it was quite the lightning show. It, it, it was. I, we were reading in bed, I think, when all that was going on. Or maybe maybe I missed that. I don't know. But it was it was coming down and raising a ruckus. Yeah. But Gosh, uh, we're going to yeah, have to find something else that's going to end the world. Hopefully. <laughs> I guess, Isn't that supposed to happen again? I here? guess it won't be a drought this year <laughs> that ends the world. Um, if this is the start, now a lot of old timers will tell you that the earlier the monsoon starts, the weaker the monsoon is. Hmm. I've heard that. So, don't know. So this well, it's a good it. thing well, they decided that it didn't start till June 15th. So, technically, this it is the monsoon. It, it hasn't right. started. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the, the, the guy I follow, there's there's a guy on Facebook I follow, and he's pretty darn accurate. Is that Arizona Weather Force? Yeah. I You turned me on to him a little <laughs> while ago. I, he is good. And he is predicting a a pretty healthy monsoon again. So, and he was right. And he's been pretty darn accurate on all the storms so far. So, and have you read that the winter rains are going to be pretty good too? Have you seen that yet? I have not. El Nino or El, I think Julia sent a email or a announcement that we were going to have rain in the winter too. Rejoice in well, it. Oh, keep it coming, baby. Keep it coming. Take every bit of it we can. What is that going to do to our topic of the day, mulching? Oh, wait, before we leave that. Did you see the photographs of the water release at Roosevelt? Yes, Dam? I did. Would you? I wish they would have announced they were going to do it. I would have driven up there to watch uh, that, I, man. I would have, too. You know, my... my uh, they opened the valves, baby. <laughs> my mom's dad, my grandpa on my mom's side, was born and raised here. Um, you know, re- didn't remember them building Roosevelt Dam, but Coolidge Dam. And, and he's an old farmer. And he had till the day he died, and I don't know who ended up with it, 
But in 67 or 68, you know, we had a really heavy snowpack and the, and Roosevelt Lake spilled over the spillways and SRP took a picture of that. It, and you can find it in places today. I, was, I think it was in Arizona highways. Oh man. And he had it till the day he died, a framed picture of Roosevelt Dam spilling in his family room. Cause it was, you know, I mean, it was just such a, a monumental thing to him. To see that much water go to an, and to the, an engineer, and that was on the lower level, and that's the old dam. Yeah, to an engineer, that is a major pucker moment because when you've got water cascading, oh. turbulating the bottom side of your dam, yeah, not a good thing. That, that is not a good thing. Now, I noticed the way that Roosevelt's engineered, that's not coming up, it's coming out like through the oh, it's part. tubes, it's overflow it's tubes, tubes. Yeah. yeah, it's not spilling like an old spillway. That's right, would spill. Yeah. So yes, I did see that, and I would love to. I, somebody took a video of it and posted a video. I, I would have driven there to see it. I'm, and I'm I know sorry. it's a hundred percent full, and the rivers downstream are, or the lakes downstream aren't quite at maximum capacity. But I mean, they're they're doing this because well, that's because they've let, that's because they've let so much water already go. Right. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're opening it up because there's it's the smelt off still coming. Right. It's stopped. I, I noticed going across the the, the riverbed a couple of days ago that they've cut it off. They're reopening McKellips Road and some of those. So they've cut that off. But uh, yeah, I think at one time Roosevelt was 102% <laughs> full. <laughs> I love that. Uh, that's an engineering marvel there. How do you get 102%? Where's <laughs> that extra two is a lot of weight. Yeah, I think. Get, yeah. get your crappie jigs out. Yeah. Head, head up Tonneau Creek. Amen. Get in the trees. Amen. <laughs> It'd be fun to see it that fall for sure. Oh, man. We'll have to make a trip. Well, we've got the water. Let's get to mulching. And San Carlos is way up. In fact, they're restocking it. They have yeah. a big fish kill, and the tribe is putting fish back in it. So, Did you happen to see it at low point? Not this time. I have seen it, it when it's when there was down to where there was just trees it, up in the river. It was a cattle river stock channel. tank. It, it, yeah. It's a tearjerker when yeah. she's dry. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible. Yeah, they say it's in pretty good shape right now. Yep. So let's hope. Uh, and, and supposedly Lake Powell's going to come up 90 feet. I had seen something that was, was expected to rise a foot a day for a period of time. Yeah. That's significant yep. water. And, and this doesn't impact us, but 80% of the snowpack in the Sierras mm -hmm. is still there. 80% from the winter fall is still there. <laughs> California. I love hey, it. Man, if they had some places to put that water. I know that's. They're going to be wanting it. It, it hits the ocean they're so gonna fast. They're going to be wanting it someday. Yeah. <laughs> All right. To today's topic, we, we uh, got sidebar by the excitement of Well, our, mulching our is our a way winter. to conserve water. How's that? How's that for us? There you go. I love it. We got to conserve what we got for sure. So mulching is way underused um my whole yard what isn't in turf is mulched i don't use rock i have well and i guess rock technically could be considered a mulch but in my mind it's not it's just heat <laughs> but i have ground wood ground uh, bark mulch front and back in all covering all of my planting areas there's no bare dirt there's no rock it's all it's all mulched. I like the way it looks. Personally, I think it's much more appealing than a rock yard. You don't, it's way easier to keep clean because 
you know, when I do trimming, I just cut things up in small enough pieces and let them fall on, and they just become part of the, the ground cover. The Genius. Mulch. Genius. And, you know, when stuff falls in my turf, I just blow it into the, into the mulch, you know, so everything's mulched in, in my yard and I love the look. You can get it free. Most of the tree trimming companies, you'll get you, put you on a list, and when they're area, when they're in your area, they'll drop you off a load of it because it saves them having to go to the to the dump with it. Very likely, if you said, "Okay, I'm going to mulch today," that you would get it today free from a tree trimming service. You got to go on a waiting list. You got to wait. It took it took me about a week. Okay, and they called me twice. One day I couldn't do it because I wasn't going to be there, so you know I was on their list for. Less than two weeks and got a delivery of it. We're broadcasting live this morning from the showroom at Sanderson Ford on 51st Avenue. Would welcome any of our listeners to drop by and say hello and introduce yourself. And, John Jay, if you'll turn around and look at that vintage, gorgeous Bronco that's in the showroom floor, you could probably buy that if I paid you what I owe you for telling me to quit collect my grass clippings. <laughs> Do you know how much time that saves me every oh single? Oh my goodness! And and if you paid me the same, Jennifer pays me nine dollars an hour. Yeah. Uh, all the hours it saved me, I I probably owe you that Bronco right there. Well, you know, I probably take you up on that. I probably, I'd have to. <laughs> <laughs> that's a beautiful rig right there. They've got the Those showroom cool. full of yeah. vintage Fords. It's worth the trip here just to see what they've got stacked up in the showroom yeah. on display. Not to mention. The 64 acres of beautiful vehicles they've got lining the, the, the lot. Fortunately or unfortunately, I remember when they were selling that Bronco new. I know. I know. And, and, they, and, and those are automatics. They were three on the tree, the ones I remember. And then, and then, and then Parnelli Jones turned it into the Baja Bronco. Remember yeah, those? Yeah. Oh, man. They're pretty cool. They're pretty cool. And, of course, they've got the new ones now that are a pretty good replica of the old ones that uh, – are sure are way more comfortable to ride in. And then they brought that Bronco Raptor out. Oh, baby. <laughs> You're lusting. I am. I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you know, um, not that you'd want to haul mulch around in your Bronco Raptor, but uh, you could in the back. In bags, probably, you wouldn't want to bulk. But mulch cuts down on, you know, it keeps your plants cooler. Plants like roses and fruit trees, things that aren't maybe quite as desert adapted to here, will do much better if they've got a layer of mulch around them. It cuts down on weeds in a year like, you know how much rain and how bad the weeds are everywhere? I had no weeds in my yard. And I don't use a lot of pre-emergent. I mean, you know, I think, in fact, I forgot to put it down this year. Um, but because the, of but the, the layer of mulch, mulch has kept nearly all the weeds have very few weeds and if what, you, is, what is this the, the seed doesn't have the the microhabitat to sprout roots in a mulch as opposed to soil it just what? shades it just shades it out oh i see up, okay. and there's not enough there's not enough uh material in there for the i suppose for the seed to stay wet enough to germinate okay in that mulchy i love uh, it. environment and if you do get them they pull out like that <laughs> It's not like pulling it out of rock or old dry dirt. So. Or you pull it off trying to break it at the root, and yeah. uh, you know it Springs breaks off, right and back. you know it's going to come back. Well, I mean the the whole the root is very delicate, very thin, and mm -hmm. comes out very easily. So, so a lot there's a lot of advantages to mulching. 
There is, and there's a lot of things we can do here at Rosie on the House, but we can't stop the clock. If you'd like to join the conversation, one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. <laughs> Continuing our conversation with Jay Harper, the Farm's Choice. We're in the garden hour here at Rosie on the house. We call it the outdoor living hour. It's what we do at 8 o'clock here every Saturday morning. And we have, uh, we were talking about how you can, out of mulching, uh, the, the lack of weed control you have, post-weed control you have to do. It works as a great pre-emulgent. Uh, it's a great water saver. Uh, keeps the ground a lot cooler. You had mentioned rock could be a mulch, but there's very few plants that adapt rock as a, a, a you know, a quarter minus as a mulch. Well, of course, our desert. You know, if you've got true desert adapted trees and shrubs, but even those, if you go out in the desert today <clears throat> and you hike around, go look under if you're brave <laughs> enough to part the <laughs> and want to look under there because there might be a a critter in there you don't want to encounter but uh you know the desert plants number one if you look at a palo verde or a mesquite tree generally there's not a clear trunk like we prune them up it's leafed out to the ground right to shade the ground around it but underneath it guess what is all the leaves and stuff that's falling so it has its own little mulch layer around it so even our desert adapted trees and shrubs will create their you know will take advantage of their own mulching that they create by their leaf loss over the years. You know, nobody goes out there and with a leaf blower <clears throat> and blows all that stuff into a pile and hauls it off. It stays around the, the trees and shrubs, even in our, in our desert areas. So uh, mulching is just, you know, you can't, plus we're recycling, you know, somebody's doing a big major tree trimming project somewhere and that stuff's going to go, to the landfill or it can go in your yard or garden um, and you know it's not we're not filling the landfill up with it and what's the avenue for accessing that mulch material there are a couple of websites right there is the chip drop is one that coordinates with arborists uh, like Jay said you can try and find one in your neighborhood as I, well I called one direct because I was driving down the road and it on the back of their truck it said you know, for for free chip delivery, and I wrote the number down and called them, and I don't remember even which, the, but they were in our general part of town. Now, you don't get to control the color. You don't get to control right. what type nope. of mulch that is. Now, the, the plant could care less, but if you're going for a color scheme, right. uh, when we did ours, we ordered uh, the ADOT color that comes from Growwell, which is a very black and had a very— But you didn't get that free. No. <laughs> so you can buy, you can buy really nice bark mulch chip stuff that's screened, that's all uniform size. I'm not saying, you, and, and if you're looking for looks primarily, that's probably how you want to go, is, is from grow well or different uh, landscape material providers, you can buy bark mulch or ground mulch in a color or in a size screening that, that does frankly look more decorative 
but still does achieves the same thing. And we put that where you drive into the property, the rest of the orchard where you don't really see. I'm saving all my clippings from there, and we're going to get one of those chippers that you put in a three-point attachment to the tractor. Okay. And then just chip it all right back into the orchard. There you go. And, you know, that one we don't really care about. Like right. up around the house and underneath the mulberries, we have a really pretty black one that just makes the grass and the black leaves pop. And we've got our Harper's oak trees out there that come around the driveway and then a row of pistachios and then the ash all have that deep, rich black mulch that just has a very nice. Now, mm -hmm. like I said, you have to pay for that. It's just what you're trying to do with your yard. Right. We've got applications right. where right. we want the decorative look, and we've got applications where we'll take whatever we can get. Good point. Good point. But, yes, please, Ma, especially, and the reason we put that on the calendar now is, you know, we haven't, in spite of how warm it might feel, we're not hot yet. Now, so we'll do it before it gets hot. We had a client we were remodeling for about 7th Street, Missouri, a large irrigated lot full of pecan trees. Mm -hmm. We started the remodel and the leaves were falling. And I thought, oh, man, it's exactly what I need for my compost. I filled up like six giant 55-gallon trash bags full of pecan leaves and uh, put them in my compost pile, spread them all over my garden. And then a master gardener told me, never use pecan leaves for compost. I have I have heard that because there's some oil. I think there, there's an oil or oils in it. Um, Are there any other plants you would specifically avoid that okay, you're so, aware of? Okay, so let's back up and, and let's distinguish between mulch and compost. Okay, perfect. Because they're completely different. Okay. Even though they might be the same, they might start out as the same material. But composting is then taking organic material and breaking it down in, in the term composting means that you're we're, we're letting heat and moisture and nature heat it up by organisms it, it it heats up and then it starts to break down and then microorganisms continue to break it down to where it's you know it's a usable material as a soil amendment that you would work into the soil as opposed to mulch, which is just put on top of the of the ground. So if you're composting, probably oleanders would be the one that you not, might not want to use in a compost. Palm leaves. Palm leaves are hard to compost. <laughs> they wouldn't be bad for anything, but very, very hard to get them to compost. And, and hard to chip up and get small. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. You can text questions to four one one nine two three. Just like we had a couple of people here, one person said they had contacted Chip Drop and got theirs uh, hours later. They just happened to time it perfectly that sure. a tree had chipped a grapefruit, uh, and their house was en route to the next mm -hmm. job, so they stopped, stopped and dumped it. Uh, then we also had somebody. Wanting to and said they can't envision ground cover as a mulch, and uh, you can Jay post a picture of his yard. <laughs> um, yeah, I can send you a picture if you want to put it on something. And then you can also stop by in person. We're broadcasting live at Sanderson Ford, 
51st Avenue in Glendale, just south of Glendale Avenue, Maryland and 51st Avenue. We're inside the main showroom on the north side. They've got a lot of great vintage vehicles here on display in the showroom along with a lot full of great new and they've uh, we haven't even covered it yet, but they've got some pre-owned vehicles that uh, that they have available on site as well today. And we had a caller call in and want to know basically about how to start a lawn. We get a lot of questions about maintaining a lawn, caring for a lawn, lawn transitions between rye and sure. Bermuda. What about starting one from scratch? So if you have <clears throat> bare dirt, let's just say, what we want to do is loosen up. You know, with a lawn, you don't have to go too deep. But let's say the top couple inches of soil, we want to loosen it up. We want to rake out any rocks or foreign material that might, you know, we want to get it nice and level, nice and smooth, because once the grass grows up, that those lumps and bumps and rocks are still going to be there. So get rid of all of that. Then we want to sow <clears throat> either sow seed or lay sod, depending on your budget, maybe how big a lawn it is. I think this person mentioned seed. You can buy good, high-quality Bermuda grass seed at, you know, at your local garden center thing to pay attention to is what is the germination rate and and how much what's the purity of the seed make sure it doesn't have a lot of weed seed percentage in it and make sure it's relatively high germination rate. we're going to sow the seed then we're going to throw some seed cover over that now this should not be chipped bark mulch i mean it needs to be fine Material. You don't want to put a bunch of twigs and sticks and big chunky stuff on top of your seed and have that then be there. You know, that's what we're going to try and get rid of when we loosen the soil up. So we're going to cover it with a fine layer of seed cover, not very deep, eighth to a quarter inch on top. And then we're going to just keep it wet three, four or five times a day for short bursts. Kind of concentrate on what, putting those on in the middle or hotter part of the day until the seed starts to germinate. It'll take maybe a week or two to start germinating. If you do sod, you're gonna notice the, the seams kinda of go away as the sod knits and new growth, and then you can cut back on the water. Now, if he's truly starting from scratch, he's going to have to think through an irrigation system, I would guess. Well, your, your gut, <clears throat> your, your experience, would you design a lawn irrigation system with pop-up sprays or more of the spider spray rotary head? I would use the the Pulse MP, MP 30s or whatever. Well, they don't do – they're not the old impacts like okay. we used to have with that did – sounded like a, a a tractor going off. But they're the – you know, they're rotators. Okay. And they, they operate on a whole lot less water pressure. You don't lose near the uh, – spray to wind they're not as impacted by wind as opposed to the traditional just, just pop-up sprays still, that cover 15 feet. right and these still pop up okay and they still you know they cover different footages depending on the head or the nozzle you put on them so that's a good question to designing take your lawn diagram into sprinkler world horizon ewing one of those guys and say here's what i've got you ought to probably know your water pressure Absolutely, um, and and have all that, and they'll they'll lay it out for you, 
and then you've got it exactly dialed in. You know how far your heads need to be spaced, how many heads you can put on a valve. What size pipe. What size pipe. When you have to go from half inch to three quarter to inch. inch, Exactly. So have it designed. Even if you're going to do it yourself, have them lay it out and design it and engineer it for you so that because there's nothing worse than having hot spots out in the middle of your yard and having this beautiful yard except for three big hot dry spots out in the middle. And if you're going to plant a lawn, put a, put a sprinkler irrigation system in. I mean, trying to do it by hand is just a recipe for failure. And probably waste more water. <clears throat> Certainly. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely you're going to waste. Because i tell you what happens. You go in, do something else, it runs, then – you wake up at 2 in the morning and go, God, I left the sprinklers on. <laughs> I know that because I've done it. Um, you know someone that has. I know someone that has. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Uh, but, uh, and with timers, you can control the minutes, and all those valves have you know, water pressure regulator flows. I mean, you can calculate and manage your water. Absolutely. To the, you know, to the even, drop. even where maybe even each station doesn't run the same amount of time. And one thing you got to do when you do these rotators is you got to run them longer because you're not putting a, the, the constant coverage of that entire head. It's, you know, it's putting a stream in there and they're like spiders, like rotating out there. So instead of running it for five or 10 minutes, it's got to run for 20 or 30 minutes, maybe. And a good irrigation sprinkler system is going to have little to no waste designed right, timed right, utilized right. So. Correct. Correct. Uh, very key component. Yeah. To and you obviously home. want to do that before you do your final grading. And you, you want to get it yeah, to yeah, a decent, yeah. decent grade, but then you don't want to go back over that with a rototiller or a trencher. <laughs> <laughs> In the outdoor hour, I've been given about five notices from Game and Fish as well as uh, news outlets in Coconino and Yavapai County mm-hmm. saying black bear sightings are up. Do you have any bear stories? Uh, they talk about bird feeders. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't feed them. Don't approach them. They're coming out of hibernation. Uh, but just in the last 10 days, I think I've gotten five or six notices from mm. all the different. Do you, do you remember 20 years ago, I guess it probably is now, when we were in the real throes of the drought, <laughs> all the bears that were coming clear Mesa, into town? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so of course, I think anybody that's, that's camped or, uh, spend any time in the outdoors here long enough has probably had an encounter or two. We've had multiple, uh, bear visitors in the middle of the night in the camps, had them open up ice chests, had them drag an ice chest a couple hundred yards up a hill. Uh, one time, uh, we were at Point of Pines Lake many, many years ago and, <laughs> My brother Jeff had wandered around on the other side of the lake when he was fishing, and we hear him start yelling, and there's a bear behind him. Um, I've had uh, I've had a, a bear encounter sitting in a turkey blind and had a bear get a little closer than I was comfortable. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, a number, a number of, uh, of course, as soon as they figure you out or smell you or Whatever they are, you, they can really run fast. <laughs> yeah, boy, can they? <laughs> they don't, can really and don't ever try and outrun one. Yeah, well, you just got to outrun the other guy. You just got to outrun whoever <laughs> you're with. That's right. Well, in the outdoor hour, I just thought I'd mention it up because bear sightings are up, and that's not limited just to the pine country. I mean, high desert has oh. a lot. 
prickly pear. Especially if there's prickly pears. A lot, a lot of bears. So just wanted to bring that up. And if the bears are coming out of hibernation, so are the snakes. So a uh, lot of uh, notices uh, from the urban trailheads about how many snakes are being spotted right now. So you're out there in the outdoor living hour, Rosie on house, take the outdoor. You're the guest, wild, remember. You're, you're, you're the guest. You're the guest, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I would like to bring the conversation back to compost first much. We have several clients, in particular in the Arcadia area, which seem to be ground zero for the roof rat dilemma yes. Yes. that sprouted, I don't know, what, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, and the county extension services started recommending people that were gardeners in that area quit composting on the ground okay. as far as roof rat, easy to get cantaloupe, you know, leftovers and whatever else you're putting in your compost um, and start container composting. Mm -hmm. I can't find one of those customers that are happy with their container compost. What's just, the trick? I just had this discussion with uh, my brother the other day who somebody gave him a, one of those container composters. He goes, man, it just doesn't work. And it doesn't work because it doesn't keep it wet enough. You know, they've all got holes in them. Yes, they do. So they dry out. And the key to composting is temperature and turning. So the rules for composting are you have to get the material to 131 degrees, maintain 131 degrees for 15 consecutive days, and turn it five times. So you need a temperature, you need a, a soil thermometer, and the, and the way do you get temperature up if it's dry, if that material is dry, it won't come up in temperature. Um, so you have to add moisture. In fact, even ones that are on the ground, if you really want to speed it up, cover it. Put some plastic or a tarp over it. Black? Sure. Plastic? It'll make it even hotter. Can you get it? I guess you can get it too hot. You can. It'll, 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 it will ignite. You've all seen <laughs> stories where, where a, a mulch pile or manure pile or something has caught on fire if it gets too hot. So you've got to be a little bit careful. Um, so you ha that's the reason that these tumblers or these okay. contained devices don't work. You'd be better off if you had a plastic, like an old garbage dumpster. Yeah. And don't put any, let it, because they, they'll hold the moisture. Yeah. And that'll get the heat up, and that'll get the comp, then it gets working. Cut the bottom out so it drains. Don't, don't use an old city trash can. Well, you can use an old city trash can. Yeah, you probably, or don't, and just realize that you're going to have some moisture in there. And yeah. you got to, but you got to get in there and turn it. City of Phoenix was actually taking reclaimed city and drilling holes in them. Yeah cutting the bottom out and, and selling them as compost yeah, containers. Yeah, but there again, if we get too much drainage and too much holes, we don't maintain enough moisture. Okay. We, don't, we lose the ability to get the heat that we need to break that material down. I'd love to hear from someone who is successfully container composting in Maricopa or Pima County because I haven't found that person yet. Yeah. So. so it's a matter of you know, being able to keep that wet enough with all the, the holes and the drainage uh, aeration that are in those. Um, so, okay. Rosie on the house broadcasting live at Sanderson Ford.
Hello, I'm Fred Wilshire. I'm the president of the Wilsh Corporation. You're listening to Rosie on the House. On a beautiful Arizona Saturday morning at the showroom of Sanderson Ford for the great 68th anniversary sale. We're in the outdoor living hour still. Where we've got Jay Harper. And the one thing we hadn't talked about yet and got to uh, are bees. There was a report out earlier just that Arizona was uh, listed as the second worst state to try and be a beekeeper. To in. be a beekeeper. Yeah. Um, and they had all different kinds of criteria that, that came with that. So... I, you know, I, you know, we obviously have a fair amount of bees, and bees have been a concern for a while, with you know colony collapse and the loss of honeybees, um, and being careful about bees. You know, interesting thing. You know, years ago when we were in the nursery business, and you'd show somebody a flowering plant, and they go, "Does that attract bees?" And we say, "Well, it has a flower, so." most likely well then i can't I don't, you know people are so afraid of bees they would not plant things particularly around their pool if you have a pool you're gonna have bees probably <laughs> yeah so uh, water any water, water feature yeah. a bird bath um yeah go find a a game and fish wildlife water out in the desert and see if you can even get close to yeah. it for the bees you know but um, so people are deathly afraid of bees. Well, well foraging, an old-timer talking about this, foraging bees gen- generally won't bother you. If they're on a plant getting nectar, getting their, doing their business, they're working, you know, unless you go over there and shake the plant or something. You know, and I've got lavender in my front yard, and they're, you can hear it from as soon as you walk out yeah, the front yes. door. You can hear the bees. There's that many of them over there. And you go do your yard work and trim around it, and they don't they don't bother you. So, um, we got to get people past the, you know, the uh, phobia of bees. I think to some degree, and and realize that we we need bees. We need to attract, especially if you have a vegetable garden. You know, you want to have some attractors in your landscape to get bees to come in to help pollinate. And we'd be in a world of hurt if we can't pollinate things. Um, that being said, I think it's kind of interesting that California is the number one. Well, there's one reason that California is number one. It's called almonds. And the almond crop, almonds are a notoriously bad pollinator, and they have to bring bees in. They have professional beekeepers bring bees into the almond orchards, to, obviously when they're blooming, wow. to get them to pollinate. In fact, I was at a seminar years ago where a guy said there'll be one reason there will always be bees, almonds. Because the almond industry will make sure that we do whatever we have to do to make sure there are is a healthy honeybee population. So, And something like 90%, not of America, but the world almonds come out of California, from what I remember. It's pretty high, pretty high percentage. Um so, you know, I don't know about, you know, I can't really speak for beekeepers. I have a, a good friend who was, he's out of the business now, but was a beekeeper. It would be interesting to talk to him to see why or if he agreed with, with that, what they said or didn't say. My guess is that, you know, Arizona has, has pockets, you know, of, of agriculture, but a lot of area in Arizona that's not agricultural. 
It's my guess any successful beekeeper in Arizona would like that myth to continue. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the competition yeah, down. Yeah. yeah, it's a barrier to entry. We do have some, we do have a fair amount of local honey makers here. Um, so I got to believe it's not it's not terrible, but it's just I'm sure because of weather, because of a lot of reasons, it's just not as uh, it doesn't lend itself to be a big beekeeping state. And you said lo- local. I mean, there's most farm stands and even roadside shops just around will have some kind of local honey as one of the items that they're selling. With the jerky. <laughs> right. <laughs> and depending on the time of the year, you might have watermelon, peaches, yeah. something like that. So. Well, we're at Sanderson Ford Broadcasting Live. Jay Harper, thank you for spending your Saturday morning with us at the Farm Choice. Any final takeaway for the weekend well we're getting that time of year you want to check your irrigation system make sure it's working right you like you want to check your roof before it rains check your irrigation system before it gets hot 